to hear your favorite funny people paired with wine? Want to just hear them whine about something? Hi, I'm Ellen Clifford. Hi, I'm Sean Buckholtz. We're the hosts of The Wine Situation. That's wine with an H. We've had Morgan Murphy. Drew Drogi. Brian Safi. Charlie Tanners and Camille Knox. Paul F. Tompkins and Janie Haddad Tompkins. Melanie Linsky. They all told us their wines. And we told them about wine. It's totally boozy study hall. So get it everywhere you find your favorite podcast. That's The Wine Situation. Wine Wine with with an an H. H. Cheers! This is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the Improv Obsession podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Perlstein, and today on the show, we've got Kyle Poralski. Kyle is a wonderful improviser. You're sure to have seen around town, maybe at happy hour with Delta Flow every Tuesday at 8.30 at the UCB Inner Sanctum. Kyle and I have a great talk about improv today. We focus on the value of strong emotional reactions, keeping scenes simple, and working on our deficits as well as playing to our strengths. We also talk a bit about Kyle's unique approach to screenwriting, uh, and he shares some practical tips on how to make your script much easier to say yes to for readers. Uh, as always, if you like the show, please subscribe, give it a nice review on iTunes, tell a friend about it, all that good stuff. Uh, but without further ado, please enjoy Improv Obsession with Kyle Peralski. It's the Improv Obsession Podcast. It's the Improv Obsession Podcast. It's the Improv Obsession Podcast. It's the Improv Obsession Podcast with Stephen Perlstein. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Improv Obsession Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Perlstein. Today on the show, we've got a very special guest, Kyle. Oh, shit. I meant to get your how you to say your last name. It's I'm going to go Paul Parulski. How do you say it? Yeah, let's go with that. Perulski. No. <laughs> what is it? What do you per, uh, Kyle Perulski. Perulski. Yeah. Oh, so it's like a, it's not a per. It's per. A, yeah. I mean, I I also am not like mm-hmm. attached to how it's said. So however you say it. OK, is fine with me. I. Well, I, I, I knew the one thing I wanted to ask you because we've been friends for years and uh, I was like, I should get his name right. Yeah. And then I saw you struggling with it and did not help you at all. <laughs> I understand. Nobody ever does. I was like, I want to see how this goes. Uh, I want to tell you guys about Kyle. Oh, I already did it. Forgot it. Uh, you may know Kyle from Happy Hour with Delta Flow every Tuesday at 830 at the UCB Inner Sanctum. You also might know him from Argo Novice. I remember Garf. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's others. Uh, so, Kyle, welcome to the show, though. Thanks so much for having me. It I, is such an honor to be here. Honor. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'm Long-time excited to have listener. you. Longtime listener. First time guest. <laughs> True. The thing, let's just jump right into it. Before you found your way into improv, mm-hmm. what what was uh, what was Kyle up to? Um, so I was born and raised in Wisconsin in a town called Wauwatosa, okay. uh, which is a suburb of Milwaukee. And I, not until moving here, did I realize the name Wauwatosa is a funny place to be from. <laughs> Wauwatosa, well, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. And so I'm from Wisconsin, went to the University of Wisconsin. Uh, out of there, I got an internship at a company called Mandate Pictures, uh, which turned into a job with this company, Mandate Pictures, which eventually changed their name to Good Universe. And so right around when I started working there full time is right about when I took 101. Okay. What year was that? 
2011. 2011. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I think you were just a little bit behind me in there mm-hmm. with uh, uh, starting up the improv. Okay, cool. And then, uh, so what... Uh, first class, like why, why'd you get into it? Why'd you start? Uh, well really why I started was to make friends. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of really good friends and I still do have good friends from the company that I interned at and worked at. And like those people are still very much a family to me, but I was like, you know, I'm very interested in comedy. And as much as I love these people, Mm -hmm. like I just want to connect more with people who are more into comedy. And I was going to see UCB shows a lot. And I was like, you know, that would be a fun thing to try on a whim. And I really only had designs of taking 101. And I was like, I'll, I'll do 101. Get 15 I'll, friends. I'll do the, I'll do the class show. I'll say like, yeah, I did. I got to like perform on that stage one, which is a very cool thing. And yeah. then I'll be done with it forever. And it was, uh, did not work out that way. <laughs> Too good to but, quit. No, <laughs> no. Well, what was, I mean, so your first class or one one I mean, you had, uh, comedy leanings. Uh, why, why were you interested in comedy or like what got you into comedy? I guess pre improv or like, you know, I mm-hmm. guess influences while you're young or right before or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Looking back, I feel like I had more comedy influences than I realized at the time. For one, I come from a very funny family. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a big family, seven of us. And I think we are just constantly uh, making fun of each other and doing bits. And uh, it's just, so that's very funny. And that helped a lot. And also uh, there were two big comedy institutions uh, from Wisconsin that were really formative for me. One of which was Chris Farley, uh, who's from Madison. And like upon hearing that he was from Wisconsin when he was like huge on Saturday Night Live. Right. I was like, oh, like that's a thing that people like people can come from here and do comedy. Right. Which was just an amazing revelation to me. That's interesting because I uh, like I grew up in Northern California and I feel like I never was even aware that anybody was from anywhere. But I guess that is sort of like I feel like that's something that California maybe doesn't have is like a, a hometown hero pride. Like, right. or like it's hard to go like, yeah, you know, from L.A. It's like, yeah, so what? man? Yeah. Or like from North from San Francisco. It's like yeah, it gives a shit like but that that is like a cool thing because I feel like people from out of state go like, oh, yeah, that person's from my state. Like, right right by and you're like oh fuck yeah i can do it yeah it just made it seem like it was something that was like attainable or possible or even an option which right i did not always comprehend yeah i don't think i fully comprehended it was an option or what comedy was right writing directing acting i was like that's all the same person right it's just like one funny guy it's adam sandler the funniest guy and like somebody who's born into it yeah like yeah uh, okay, I told And then <laughs> the other thing that was very important is that uh, the now like global comedy institution, The Onion, started as a small uh, print newspaper in Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah. And so growing up, I lived about two blocks away from a uh, convenience store. And just in this convenience store, every week, there would be the new issue of The Onion. So I assumed right. like... Growing up, everybody had this. And again, only recently realized it was very unique to me. So every week I was getting just immersed with the best comedy writing uh, and just grew up on it every week. And yeah, I mean, the 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 onion is uh, arguably the best comedy institution there is uh, or like at least most consistent. And yeah, it's it's crazy how well they've 
transitioned into competing more with like a fast breaking news and they still execute at such a high level. They really do. Uh, when, uh, was it Scalia died? They, they said like Scalia yeah. uh, finally loses uh, or no. Uh, yeah. Finally dies after 20 year battle with progress. Right. I was like, fuck that's great. Yeah, that was, and like they you know, they had was, it out like an hour later or something insane like that. I was like, damn, that's it. Yeah. That's incredible. Uh, but yeah, anyway, enough gushing about the onion. Uh, so, uh, uh, you, that's interesting. Cause you came in, I think I kind of came in the same way for improv. I was like, I started, let's see, I was like, I'm going to get into writing. I was mm-hmm. writing mostly. And I did some sketch classes there at UCB. I did the first one. I was like, well, I guess I'll just like try improv like mm-hmm. as well. I see more improv than sketch. Uh, cause that's, there's more of it there. And I was like, I'll just do the one and then like, it'll be fun. And then I was like, I guess I'll just keep doing this. Uh, and I think it was partially because it was fun, because it was silly, maybe because I got some more immediate feedback uh, from like as, as opposed to like writing and then waiting for your sketch to go. And if it doesn't work, then it's like, well, that was the one, my one shot this week or, you know, whatever. Um, what, what was it for you that made you like want to stick around? Uh, well, there is definitely that immediate feedback of it. Uh, the other thing that I really liked about it was that it was a little bit hard and it was a little bit of a challenge. And so, cause I think you go and you watch shows as a novice and you see these people and it seems effortless enough that you're like, I bet I could do that. Right. And then you take a class and you're like, I'm in so overhead. <laughs> this is yeah. impossible. And then, yeah. Uh, <laughs> So I guess it was like I went into like fight or flight mode and for like maybe the first time in my life fought uh, and uh, I was just like, I really want to figure this out. Like it was a fun challenge and something that I could feel myself actively working towards yeah progress at that's interesting and you but like you uh we can get into this a little bit later more later but you you were writing before that right like as a mm, screenwriter movies that type of thing before that or Uh, no yes i definitely i moved out here with the intention of doing screenwriting Mm -hmm. and had already written uh, a few features and a few pilots Mm -hmm. so i i had had experience in that capacity yeah already okay fair enough um, so yeah, I mean, you stuck with it. You did the classes. Uh, I'm going to assume you probably, did, you know, burned through them pretty quick back to back or what do you, what was that like? Yeah. The longest wait was after one one. And I think that was maybe two months. Really? Two oh one. Yeah. That's okay. So in those first, uh, early classes, what, um, if you can remember, which also who knows, uh, uh, what were you good at? What were you bad at? What was like, what were the things that, I don't know, you were recognizing in yourself and in in improv early? Yeah. Well, definitely looking back, I would say the things that I was good at, especially in 201. Uh, and I think this is probably true of a lot of people who are good in 201 is because everybody is their inclination is just to go crazy and be wild. They've never done this thing before. Yeah. And so they're just like yeah. freaking out and panicking on stage. And so I think what I was good at early on was straight manning and just sort of being like, what you're doing is weird and putting it in context and sort of staying calm and rational mm-hmm. in the midst of all that chaos. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Like, I feel like, uh, yeah, there is a lot of, 
in, in improv, there are usually early on, there are two types of people. There are let's go fucking bananas. Let's go ape shit. And then let's do nothing. Uh, and it is it is hard to kind of like walk that middle ground of uh, going like, oh, you're OK. You're being bananas. And that's mm-hmm. okay. Uh, and not go like you're being bananas and I don't want to part of this. I'm leaving the room now. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely maybe the challenge yeah. of being a straight man. <laughs> yeah. Is. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, and then, well, what about, I mean, and if you, again, if you remember any, what about anything that you were like immediately challenged by or like that you were just like, fuck this? I don't know yeah, I mean, this. definitely the immediate challenges for me were a lot more performance based because Mm -hmm. up until taking 101 i had not performed at all on a stage since i want to say fifth grade maybe right and And what was that role in fifth grade uh i want to say i was um, it was basically a tax collector in king midas and the golden touch okay uh, (laughs) you didn't wouldn't think king midas would need a tax collector it was a role written to expand the cast so You're like, yeah, you had to pad out the stage. Yeah, oh, it was not funny. a prime role. Uh, that's fair. That's reasonable. Um, and so, so yeah, I guess the uh, the issues that I had were mostly just you know because like I I didn't have the experience. So in terms of being comfortable on stage, mm-hmm. uh, I definitely was not. Yeah. And so in terms of things like looking at people and like connecting and yeah, acting and committing, those were the things that, uh, for the longest time and, uh, probably still now are the things that I would say, right. I am worst at. I mean, it's interesting though. Cause I think, like I said, I think, um, everybody tends to kind of fall into some early inclinations in improv, mm-hmm. go crazy, uh, be very conservative or, uh, you know, be very actorly, but maybe not very, uh, writerly in their comedy or whatever. Uh, and, and, and I think, uh, you know, you, there's probably a matrix out there that's like, here's where you might have a natural inclination. And then everybody's always, it seems like people are generally trying to push towards the middle, uh, and strengthen their weaknesses and, um, uh, but still play to their strengths. But it's, it's, yeah, it's hard. You're just like the whole time. You're like, man, if I were only just a little bit better of a performer, that would be nice. <laughs> or if I could only just label a game better, damn, that would be great. But yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, those things are what still makes it fun and challenging after right. a few years is it's like, oh, I've taken a bunch of classes. I've done a bunch of performances. Yeah. But there's still things I want to get better. There's still mountains. To yeah. I mean, and I think, yeah, that that's definitely what makes it still fun. I, um, I perform maybe less than I did at one point when I was at a peak of uh, peak improv. Uh, and that's probably a good thing, but, uh, the challenges and like the, the, the fun of just going like, well, will this be the best show I've ever done? Will it be the worst show I've ever done? It won't be, but can I, you know, what can I bring and like, how will this be different and fun and whatever? Yeah. That, that definitely keeps, I think everybody coming back. Really. Yeah. You and never that, know what you're going to get. Yeah. And lately for me, it's been more frustrating when it's not like, cause so many of the shows fall into this category of like, that wasn't a great show. That wasn't a bad show. That mm-hmm. was just a show. Mm-hmm. And I will never think of it again. Like there's nothing bad right. about it. There's nothing great about it. It was just a pretty fine show. Yeah. Those are lately what frustrate me more than anything. Yeah. It, it, there is something about just being like serviceably, you know, good. 
not great right yeah. like you're like yeah i don't know that was good like but so what like it that is frustrating and i think although i do think like i'm the first person to be very much uh uh maybe down on those type of shows of going like well i don't know it's just you know, it's fine uh but i do think that that is weirdly like devastating to other people around you like yeah. I, at least i i've learned to like stop expressing that because i've just been like yeah it was like just a show yeah like, nobody else wants to talk about it <laughs> no it's not beneficial yeah and you know also too like I think it can bring anybody down who's like who especially if anybody's like oh yeah it was like a good serviceable show but who has maybe a more positive disposition on that or mm-hmm. it was a maybe a better show in all their you know series of shows they've ever done or whatever then it's like yeah that was just whatever it's like oh why did I have to ruin yeah, this or like me? somebody comes up to you and they're like hey great show and you're like oh, yeah I guess oh yeah 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 it's like oh yeah they, they don't need that yeah they don't they don't need to know that you're not sure that that was the best yeah. show you've ever done <laughs> yeah I agree that's not how they were hoping that interaction would go yeah oh definitely definitely um okay well okay so now uh we started performing together like two years ago yeah right around then uh started in a will hines class Mm -hmm. i remember it well it was a very good class it was a stacked class it was a stacked class indeed i don't although now that i'm looking back i'm not immediately remembering a bunch of people from it i remember you i remember Mm -hmm. me i remember dickie was matt in that uh there was an improviser with that name (laughs) there was likely an improviser with that name who else was in that class do you remember um brad evans that's right oh yes yeah uh drew spears was in that class that's right damn Carmen angelica that was a fucking great class uh joe cardin joe cardin was in that yeah um uh i'm not remembering others there were a lot of good people in that class but i remember uh that class was great i think that was one of Maybe maybe Will's very first class in L.A. or it was his, one of the I second. I think he had taught a started teaching a one at one a little bit before. And Got it. That's yeah. his first advanced. Yeah, and that yeah. So it was a lot of people who had probably just like knew of Will Hines a little bit. Yeah, came uh, with a lot of enthusiasm, and yeah, that class was great. I feel like uh, there's some new stuff Will was bringing, and everybody was hitting home runs real quick. Yeah, it was a really strong class, and just like so beneficial yeah um i was also right after that class getting in my car and driving to burbank to do a class with rich tallarico oh yeah who is another improv genius and so yeah he's i was like spending like six hours a day every <laughs> sunday with like two of the best improv teachers that you could ever hope to have yeah and so i think that was like a period for me that was extremely uh helped me grow yeah which is interesting too because i feel like rich talrico uh would may emphasize totally different things than will uh am i wrong on that i don't know i know that he comes from io more they were i watch him do stuff and i'm like oh i kind of see what maybe he's more about uh yeah they were complimentary but definitely different i would say oh yeah there was nothing that i was getting that was like yeah um, I yeah. think I think most uh, most people tend to believe uh, bigger differences uh, between improv theaters or philosophies than there are. There are differences and you can really drive a wedge into them and really spread them apart if you wanted to. But it's like, I mean, mostly they're doing the same stuff. They want it to be yeah. funny. They want it. They may approach it like, oh, character first or come out with a wand or whatever. Who, they're still trying to do the same thing. Yeah. The end game. And none of those strategies are that devastating to another form generally. Like. Uh, uh, is it Susan Messing? You've done. Have you done some messing stuff? Haven't you, Michael? I have not studied with Susan. Who's the Who's the 
big Chicago person you did? Uh, Jimmy Corain. Jimmy Corain. That's right. You, yeah, you I did. Didn't, yeah. I did a workshop with him. And that's then, right. Uh, I've also done a little stuff with Kevin Mullaney. Yeah. Oh, Mullaney. Mullaney is who I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Okay. But it, yeah. Anyway, I think I, I thought, uh, and actually now that I'm thinking of it, that's neither of them. I'm thinking of Napier, but they kind of come out with like a take care of yourself approach, I believe, or that's what they want. Take care of yourself. Uh, uh, true or not true. I'm sorry if I'm butchering somebody's philosophy. That is not devastating to the idea of game. Like that doesn't actually fuck up anybody's way of approaching it or whatever. So I don't know. I think that's I think that's weird that people go like, no, this is the one true way of improv. And it's like, well, they kind of all could work together. Yeah, mostly. it seems it seems weird to have like a very strong attachment to any one yeah. way of doing such like an M on this art form. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, I think that's the, the best way to put it. It's like, it's, uh, what they're doing up, up on that stage. It's, it's not rigorous. It's not very structured and that's what makes it special. So to have like an incredibly, uh, rigorous structure to it, uh, is a little bit insane. Uh, although then again, I like, uh, when I, uh, when I coach and, you know, do other stuff, like I would very, like I, uh, when we do like heralds and stuff, I'm like, okay, here's your new rule is you can't initiate the unusual thing until the third line the first line has to be a normal thing the second line has to be yesing all the normal thing the context and then the third line could be the unusual thing do not come out like i I love those little robot rules yeah because it's nice to be in the guidelines for a little bit but yeah you kind of have to learn to shake yeah and those are just like but that's like in a practice where you're like doing like training wheels right stuff right just to get people to you gotta get them on the right track yeah get them on the right track um okay so uh, yeah, so we joined this team, and I, I was trying to figure out... Uh, I had my earlier impressions of you when I had seen you, but I remember liking you in that class, and I was trying to find like a something I said about you, because Jen Kruger and Dickie Copeland and I were trying to form a team. Right, we were, yeah, I remember this. Do you? Do you? Yeah, well, <laughs> you can... You can. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, so I just... We were trying very hard to find people, and we were all like... We were throwing out names, and you know, kind of like, you know, two of us would be like, yeah, sure, and then one was like, I don't know, and that happened a million times right. and then it had to be complete consensus right somebody said which is a hard way to do anything mm-hmm. uh especially uh with somebody like me who's very disagreeable right <laughs> uh no i'm not saying uh that i uh rejected anybody who could have been on that team uh but uh but i we're like uh i think dicky threw you out uh as a name that somebody could do that and she and i found this quote she said kyle from our class he's funny jen do you know him he's tall and blonde and a little soft-spoken in demeanor and uh i was like yep that's kyle huh? he's funny and tall and blonde and soft-spoken in demeanor she summed you up perfectly yeah that's <laughs> So concise and so true. Yeah. Uh, But like, it's interesting because I think like, uh, I don't, I think actually Jen didn't know you very well. She didn't know me at all. Yeah. So what I remember of this is that I was invited to do a practice, a a practice, 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 practice. (laughs) And like, it definitely, you asked me over Facebook message, I want to say, and I remember seeming like a little bit more loaded than just like, hey, do you want to just come to this practice? Like, oh, I felt interesting. like I, Ooh, I felt like I there was like, <laughs> I felt like there was some sort of like, this might be more like an audition mm-hmm. thing. And so, <laughs> oh, I didn't do that right then. <laughs> uh, no, I, I just, I no, just, you're probably right. <laughs> I just see through all of your facades. Uh, <laughs> there are many. Yeah. Uh, so like, I, I kind of had this instinct, and or maybe it was just me hoping because it was like. Uh, the three of you and then Jake Jabour and one other mystery improviser. And 
Um, so I remember really wanting it to turn into a thing, and I was like, I hope it does. Yeah. And I went to the practice, and I th- thought it went pretty well. I thought I did a good job. Yeah. And then we all like went on our separate ways, and I feel like you were supposed to email me to be like, hey, do you want to come back again next week? Mm-hmm. And I think you were forgot to. Oh, no. And so I was sitting there, and I was just like, I think I blew it. <laughs> I don't I don't think I'm gonna be on that team. Oh yeah. Anymore. Yeah. And and then I think you I think we were practicing at like eight or something. Mm-hmm, that sounds and I think right. you sent me a message at like seven or something, like, hey, I totally forgot to send this sooner, but like we're practicing, like, do you wanna come back? <laughs> oh, and yeah. and then I wanna say that there were maybe like three or four mm-hmm. practices before I knew I was mm-hmm. on the team. Cause I think we were like you guys were doing manifesto. And I didn't know if I was doing the show with you or not. That's so funny. I'm sure I see that in that, in my recollection of it, we had like the, the conversation went something I I mean, like Dickie was like, he's funny. And I was like, yeah, I feel like I see him be a robot sometimes, but I think there's something really great about what he does. Like, and when he breaks out of that roboting, I think he's like really great. I think he's a really great improviser. Uh, and I think he'd be good to like practice with, uh, And so I had resigned to like be having you on the team pretty early. And I feel like we probably all had. I just might have dropped the ball in communicating that correctly. Uh, I don't. Also, you know what? The other thing, too, is I know I think we were trying out a couple people just to like come play and see how because it's hard finding three, especially Dickie, Jen and I, who all basically run and similar, but also different circles. Like it's hard to find somebody that we all know that we all like or whatever. Uh, and so we're like, I don't know, is this person, whatever. So I think maybe we just didn't solidify it so as to not offend anybody or be like, no, we're just not into you blank. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in any case, I'm very, very pleased with how it worked. I'm psyched. Uh, I'm psyched how it worked too. And I think like, uh, you, you set your, like you, you've been a great asset on the team. I think you're a really wonderful improviser. Uh, great to watch. Very surprising. Uh, people could learn a lot from you and your approach, but I learned, I think I learned a lot playing from you too, because, um, your, I, I read you as a stone faced facade when you say things, I'm just like, what is he doing? (laughs) Like, is he, like how so? Like, I never, I don't know. So I feel like frequently, I don't know if you're like, uh, if you're like, oh, we've totally got something right here, or we have nothing, or you're like, I'm doing something, or you're mad at me, uh, or any, I have no clue ever, uh, which is pretty a good thing because I think in a way, like you're acting uh, it well. But I'm just like, okay, okay, what's Kyle got? Like I got to really listen to Kyle here. <laughs> I'm gonna really make this work, uh, and I feel like I learned a lot from you in like these years. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm- yeah, yeah. Uh, I've learned a lot from you as well. That's very nice. Uh, that felt uh, like you, you felt obliged to say that. I did. Uh, I, I, and but it's I, only because I paused and stared at you uh, because I was trying to formulate what my next question was going to be. Or actually, my next statement was, uh, we, you said something that wa- that resonated after like we'd been practicing for a while. We had like Will as a coach and Joel Spence and Mel Cowan. And a few people came in and it was great. Um, hard to get a consistent coach, but, right. uh, but you said like some of the best scenes we've ever had, like I've ever had, or like best moments we had in improv are just like screwing around in Jen's living room. I'm like, yeah, that's right. It is. And it's, uh, I don't know, like that something about that really resonated with me. I was like, why, why so frequently is it just us hanging out in the living room that it's like kind of the best? 
Well, I think that's probably in large part because it so closely becomes more about just like pleasing each other more than it necessarily is doing like a great show for other people. Uh Right. And so you can be a little bit less concerned about being entertaining. It can be a little bit more of like an insular yeah, and it can feel even more of like one of the cool things about improv is that you know it's created in that moment and that moment alone, right? And it's even more special when it's just like this small group of people, yeah, in like a living room, and it feels so exclusive, right? And the other thing too, I think from it is like you know uh, at that you know at the max there were six there's six of us on the team, uh, you me Jen Kruger Dicky Copeland Matt Figueroa Jake Chabor, uh, just for anybody who wants to know, uh, and it's interesting. And then a coach will high will or whoever. Yeah. We're Laughing basic well for a while. Huh? Laughing well. That's right. Yeah. He was good too. Oh man. We had some good stuff. Uh, but we're, I think part of that is like, there's six of us. And if, especially if the two people are in the scene, we're not like expecting a ton of laughs. Like there aren't that many people to laugh, but when you get it and when your, your backline is laughing at what you do because they're enjoying something or the coach is laughing or like everybody is or like in the scene or like, man, this is so funny. We're really doing it. There's something like, I don't know, like kind of special about like killing to not even a small audience, but just like, this is it. We like it. So it must be good. Cause I've been in those practices. Uh, and I remember, I remember many where I'm just like, Ooh, nobody likes this. So not even me. Like, yeah, you're sitting there and you're just like, man, this is the longest two hours in somebody's living room. Uh, I hope not everybody is mad at me for doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That just stuck out to me. Uh, so let's, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about like, things that you've learned or uh, things that stand out to you. Uh, you've practiced for years, 2011. Uh, what things, what things I think like stick out to you as um, important practices and good improv. Like what are, what are some key, like I know that's hard to go like, what makes it good? Yeah. But what things to you are like, Oh, this, this was mm, kind of like a simple thing that I try to apply more in my scenes or, um, yeah. So basically I guess what I try to do in my <laughs> like continual evolution as an improviser is I go through periods where I will like very intensely try to like apply a specific thing like I'll be like oh I want to like really really work on like initiating right now or like being more emotional or Mm -hmm. like supporting or things like that and that will be like my very intense focus yeah for a while um you know maybe like a month or two and then for the month or two after that I will try to focus on nothing and just try to get it so that I'm not thinking and that it can just be more of like a seamless integration into what I do that that seems like a, a smart approach to it. It's also like uh, I think about that. I'm like, I should just like have a rotating thing of things that I'm focusing on because I uh, like I said, I think everybody has some strong tendencies of things that they're good at. Uh, and I know sometimes I'm just like, oh, well, I'm pretty good at this. And I'm just going to focus on uh, crushing at this thing that I'm regularly OK at. And I'm like, well, I still didn't like, you know, not laugh in the scene. Yeah, I should have not laughed. That would have made it better. Uh that's an interesting approach. So like what, uh, I don't know. So what other things are like that? What, what are things that are like you're on your mind then, uh, Uh, for that type of thing that you're like, I'm focusing on this or like, what are like right now? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I guess right now the thing that I'm really focusing on is just being more spontaneous. I think, yeah. 
uh, kind of the thing about me that is like probably one of my strengths and also one of my weaknesses is that I can be a little bit more writerly. Mm-hmm. And so I might like plan a move like one or two. Really? Like, yeah, um, that's funny. Beats in advance. And like, if, if it's, if it's there in two beats, then I'll use it. If it's not, yeah, uh, I won't, but I do, I do kind of think ahead, Get ahead a lot. Of it. And yeah. so I'm trying to be a little bit more spontaneous and surprise myself yeah. a little bit more. And even like, like I did this, uh, a completely silent show on Saturday night. Nice. And it's just like, cool, I'm just going to go out there. I'm going to initiate with like the first thing. I don't care if I understand what it is or what's going on. Like, I just trust at this point that I'm going to figure it out. And right. so I'm trying to get better at sort of loosening the reins yeah. of being yeah. super writerly and have a little bit more... Uh, actorly spontaneity. Right. I get it. I like that. Uh, one of the <laughs> one scene that I remember well that like still stands out to me as like a, a signature me not being able to understand what Kyle was doing thing. Uh, and it was great. It was great. Uh, I think it was like a scene where Jen and I were doing something. Oh, no, it was Dickie and I we were on computers. I remember that. Uh we had something going on. It was kind of funny. You did a walk on or like you decided to like lean your chair back and like between the two of us. And um, you said something that was like on game. I think I'm pretty sure it was. And then the next thing you did, like, I think you just realized that you almost fell in your chair and then you just started playing around with that. Like, yeah, I was like, what the fuck is this? this guy? I never know what this guy is doing. And it's great. Like, what a fun <laughs> surprise. Yeah, well, something like that <laughs> is just that, you know, everybody saw me almost fall in a chair mm-hmm. whatever. So I think at that point, you almost are obligated to turn it into something. Sure. Like, you can't just yeah. let whatever happened sit there. And, like, if you turn that mistake into a repeated pattern, then it becomes something more satisfying than just watching somebody right. mess up. I totally agree with that. Uh, I totally agree with that. Uh, I think, but I think in that moment, like too, that reminded, like that reminds me of what I felt. And I kind of still feel, still feel about you as an improviser is like, you'll go, you'll do a thing that's on game and something will be silly or whatever. And you'll surprise me with what you do with it. And like, I think my preconceived notion of what you would have done with that would be to firmly plant your chair down uh, and then like forget it you know uh, I go like no I am on the rails here uh, I think that's what I would have thought of you as before I knew you better and played with you more and then you do that silly fucking thing and I was like this guy's great what a goof uh, yeah, so what a maniac what a maniac it's not that it's not even that great yeah I, as I'm sure as the audience is listening to this like so we leaned back in a chair and you were like real impressed with it yes I was okay. <laughs> take what I can get. It doesn't sound impressive to me either. <laughs> no, it, it is though. It is because uh, people don't if it is, if improv is a lot of making it up on the spot and being changeable and, and making things work uh, unexpectedly, you did that. You didn't you didn't like let the unexpected thing uh, happen and then shut it down. Uh, uh, yeah. And it's and easy to do that. It's very easy to it do is, that. It is easy, but it's also less fun. Yeah. I think like if something like that that is genuinely surprising to everybody on stage happens, like, yeah. It'll just be so much more fun if you're like, "Oh, that that happened." Right. And like let's figure out 
how to incorporate that and how to make it fun and explore it and really it's get ve- into it. it's very satisfying to see the thing that you know was made up or that wasn't planned or I mean that's all improv right it's like they did something with the suggestion and it came through into a great piece of comedy uh, and if things go off track and it follows through into great comedy you're like damn it they're fucking geniuses yeah that's the entire thrill of it it's the entire thrill and it's very and again like uh, a person like myself or maybe even something you identify very writerly it's easy to uh, not let the uh, the spontaneity uh, take hold yeah you get it man you get it okay so <laughs> you yeah. Uh, yeah no okay. I, I, I was just affirming that I get it you get it man uh, so then uh, what about this is there anything in your uh, practice or study of improv that you think uh, that came up or has been like oversold to you uh, that might be that might be tough to identify uh, and also I don't know that there's a lot of bad advice floating out there but what, maybe it's just something that you don't think works for you or your yeah um let me think here there's nothing that immediately comes to mind yeah. is something that i this heard is, this is a new question like, i've made up i don't know that it's a great one uh i don't know that it is or isn't hmm. but i guess we've encountered the surprising thing and we will figure it out together <laughs> so yeah i mean by and large i've been very lucky to study with a lot of great people who yeah. have dispensed almost nothing but perfect wisdom right um so (laughs) i think that yeah you've studied with a lot of great people here here let me just try to uh give you some space to think on this one thing that i think maybe uh has been oversold to me is um or or maybe not explained right in the way we do it is like uh don't worry about being funny Mm -hmm. uh and what I'm, and I, and I get where that note comes from and I know what the heart of it really means, but, uh, I also do remember clearly, a a coach going like, don't do anything funny and like yeah. really driving it. We're not doing anything. It's like, well, if I don't pull the trigger to be funny, then I think I'm, I think I'm a decent enough improviser to keep it not funny. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, and I think, again, I get the heart of what that note means, but I do think that some, uh, people, places, teachers, whatever will go like, Oh yeah, just, you don't have to do anything. It'll just happen. Uh, and I'm like, I don't think it just happens. Uh, I really, I think we like, fi- I think it's kind of why they stopped saying mm-hmm. finding game a little bit. Yeah. In the vocabulary. It doesn't just happen. You create the game. Yeah. You decide. Right. You decide the game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. That was, that's one thing that sticks out in my head. Uh, I guess one thing that I would say, and this isn't like, something that somebody said that I disagree with, but it is something that I've sort of observed is that a lot of people will go through the UCB system and, you know, it's all so game oriented Hmm. that a common note that people get out of 401 in their first couple advanced studies is like, oh, you should be more emotional. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And of course, because all you've really been focusing on for the past couple classes is just like very strict gameplay. Right. And I found that you you get that note a lot. And she's like, hey, be more emotional. Mm. Consider being more emotional. And I'm sitting on the other end of that and being like, I'm trying like, yeah, I would like more of a pathway to it. Uh, and so I don't think that's a failing of any teacher or the institution. It's just like Mm-mm. one of the things about the UCB curriculum is that I think after you go through the core classes, uh, 
it definitely behooves you as an improviser to find a coach or somebody who can like really drill some more emotional things. Because I think just saying like, Hey, just play more emotionally is something that is true. But if you don't give somebody a pathway to get to playing more emotionally, it's like, it's not that helpful because it just, there was a period where I was like, I don't know how to be more emotional. Right. Like, uh, yeah, I'm only yeah. so emotional in real life. Yeah. I'm, uh, I don't know that I, I can just whip up a lot of emotion about this scene with my coworker being a little bit wacky, you know? Yeah, I get that. Yeah. But uh, I, I do think it is something uh, that once you realize it is something you need to work on mm-hmm. uh, and want to and like talk to coaches about it, I think they are very good. Yeah. I think, um, you know, you you see people coming out of yeah 401 and you learn so much about this game it's hard to pull all of that together and to also like be a great performer and i think that's why you'll see people tend to lean again like you'll see yeah people are great performers what the hell are they doing there's no game there mm-hmm. people are really hitting the game and it's like well these robots just wrote down this or pitched the a scene and it was not fun to watch um uh, and I think like be more emotional. I, you know, I've, I've gotten that note and, um, Jess Eason did one of those, one of those, the improv Ted talks. I don't oh, know if you yeah. remember those a few years ago, put on the, at the independent, yeah. Know? The downtown independent put yeah. on by the Los Angeles Indian improv festival or L a I F F, uh, I I F. Uh, anyway, uh, she said something that was great. Like I'd never heard it. I think expressed right uh, as good as she did. And she said, it's, uh, I used to tell everybody emote a lot, emote a lot. And for some reason, the guys were never getting it. Uh, And then said, so I changed it to emote or opinion. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I was like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That I get. I have a lot of opinions about things. And I know that. And then after I thought about it, I'm like, Oh, my opinion, my opinions are very directly connected to my emotions and how I feel about things. It's not hard to access it. Once you kind of get like, it's, it's caring. It's like, how do I care about this scene? Is it an emotional way? Uh, maybe if you're somebody like me, maybe not. Like, I don't really care about things in an emotional way, but I do care that like you're doing this wrong and that's not how the world should be. Yeah. Uh, it's easy to straight man that in that way or, or even be unusual in that way. It's like, I have a strong opinion on this. Uh, so yeah, I totally, I agree with you. Uh, maybe Jessieson has some advice for the people out there who have those issues too. I'm sure she does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So then, I want to, we're going to transition out of this improv stuff, but I want a couple little things too. Yeah. Uh, you studied with a lot of people, a lot of people. I'm impressed. Uh, I, I like, I feel like I've, I've studied with a lot of people too. I like racking up all the names mm-hmm. and you have some names I, I haven't racked up and I'm impressed by it. Like who? Uh, Rich Salrico, Jimmy. I had him on the podcast. Didn't yeah. He's great. He's, he's cool. So, so good. Artist low comedy. They're out there. <laughs> yeah. Sponsored if by Hotel Lincoln. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was it was only a, a one day intensive workshop, but yeah. he was incredible. Yeah, and I would recommend it to anybody. So what um, so study, I guess uh, studying outside of UCB or, or even people who are UCB affiliated. Um, what are some what are some are there anything that sticks out as particularly like interesting philosophy? That's something that you don't encounter uh, on, I guess, the standard one one through four one path. Um, yeah. uh, so so things that I've encountered from. Yeah. People that are a little. I mean, I guess I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of something that's a little bit beyond I guess beyond the basics isn't a 
fair way to put it because a lot of improv notes kind of go back to the same few things. But I don't know, something that you're just like, oh, this is new, fun, interesting, different, whatever. Yeah. So I remember out of 401, right around when I finished uh, the base 401 curriculum, yeah. uh, Beck Drysdale moved to town, which was yeah. one of the great, like, yeah generational moments in LA improv I think I think yeah overnight everybody took her classes and she built a theater that everybody now performs at yeah I never and took it you never took it I never got one oh man I was so confident I would have time and I never did <laughs> uh, well she still does teach occasionally yeah so keep your eyes open for that I will but I remember coming out of 401 and being like I, th- I feel very good about where I am I feel very good and I took that class and there were just so many things that completely blew my improv mind right and it was just like oh my god she's just got such a refreshing approach it's so simple Mm -hmm. um, and just so good and so smart and I just remember that being a class that really. Yeah. Can you give me, me, can you give me any, uh, as a person who didn't experience it, any like, so you want to take the class for free? Yeah. I want to take the class for free. By proxy. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) I don't know. Is is there anything that like stuck? Like, uh, I've heard that about her approach and it's interesting. Uh, and I buy it, but I, I remember like watching her come to town and going like, this is different. I don't know why this is different. Uh, there's something different about what she does that she's bringing to the stage, but I don't know what, what it is and so i don't know i guess i'm just looking for like is there something if i uh, mm-hmm. is there something that a moment or a note i'm thinking of like a johnny meeks like poor less buenas like i'm trying to do things for the good type of thing right yeah that type of thing there uh she doesn't have a particular catchphrase mm-hmm. that i would attribute <laughs> to her but two things that i do really remember and i actually recently retook her class yeah um in the fall and so these are things that again were really important to me and she's very big on emotional uh, responses which as i mentioned was something that i needed to work on after 401 so that was great and the other thing is really just keeping it simple Mm -hmm. um basically she'll have you do in exercises like it'll just be i'll initiate you will respond and then i will just say the initiation in a different way and you'll just respond in the same way but like just slight variations and that's really all a scene is is just two people establishing their first opinions and then playing it out Mm -hmm. Um, that's interesting yeah and of course you will explain that smarter and better yeah than i would this is a complete (laughs) bastardization that's fair that's her (laughs) but but i get uh i get what you mean by that of just like it is yeah, like the the reality of what this scene is, is, you know, points of views, emotions, whatever, and kind of translating them at each other and how they kind of bounce and reflect. Yeah. And it, a lot of it comes back to just like you see a lot of scenes, especially with newer improvisers, where like they will initiate something uh, and then drop it right away. And so her whole thing is just like, that's not satisfying. That's not good. That's not fun for the performer that's not fun for the audience it's more fun if you take even the dumbest initiation of like hello and turn that into right a enjoyable scene yeah and yeah because you owe that to the audience when you come out there 
and yeah. you initiate with that, you're telling them that that's something that's worthwhile and that it's going to be important. Right. And so if the first party that you're seeing didn't matter, didn't matter, then yeah. why do it? Yeah. Uh, I forgot who I had. I forget. A teacher said this or a coach or something. God, I want to figure this one out. But he said, like, I like to think of a good scene as being a straight line and all of the all the lines are dots. And like I can see from that first dot that it really did connect with everything that happened with it. And it wasn't like, oh, we're just talking about the weather and like, no, this is nothing, whatever. And then finally they kind of got to something, but it didn't really have shit to do with the first minute of the scene. Right. That is like kind of disappointing in a way. Uh, And it's and it's like you said, like kind of making things matter up top. It's like, yeah, well, that's a good way to get into a scene. Yeah. And it's also just not overthinking it and not being like, how do I make this great? How do I make this funny? Because what happens in those first few moments is enough if you just pay attention if you just notice right and you just make the decision to make those first few moments yeah enough for a scene so what uh this new question what do you think uh is a thing that you do not like seeing in improv or something that is a a pet peeve yeah uh, anything that comes to mind we're also going to talk about favorites but i want to i want to start with the that. yeah <laughs> Uh, great. So yeah, one thing that I noticed this past week, um, and I actually wanted to bring it up because I'm, do- I'm going to a practice later tonight, and I was like, I definitely want to bring this up with the team because it's not something that I think the team has been bad at, but it was something I noticed other teams doing mm-hmm. in shows and even like pretty veteran teams. And I was kind of like, man, that's a bummer. Yeah, is that I was seeing a lot of people like make an initiation, and then the next person, their response is just shitting on it. And Hmm. like, it's like a very, like, it is, you know, like the thing they try to drill out of you in one Oh one, which is like people be like, Hey, yeah, here we are. We got this hotel for the honeymoon. And she's like, I didn't want to come to this Island. Why would we come to this Island? And Ooh, yeah, that's rough. Uh, I see that a lot. I see it with young teams a lot and assert. Yeah, I know. I do know what you mean, though, of just going like, uh, what if I just didn't like this? What if that was my choice? And it's like, mm, God, it's you're you're at a you're at a I think you're at a lower percentage. I think that's a lower percentage shot just to instantly not like something. Yeah, it's a lower percentage shot. And also, even more importantly to me, I don't know how fun that is for anybody to play. No, it's it's stress. Like, it stresses me out a little bit. I'm like, oh, did I do something like did I do something wrong? Yeah. Is that the game? What the fuck? Hold on. Let me did it by taking us to the island. Did I do something crazy? What did I do? That was great. Like, yeah, Yeah, it just it puts so much. It creates so many questions that need to be answered before you can move on. Yeah. To actually like creating a sustainable and fun game. Yeah. How did we get to this island? How did I convince you so much that you even though you fucking hate it? Yeah. How did I do this? Okay, great. Like, yeah, there's so many. Yeah. I I talk about I was saying earlier, like a lot of times I put people on training wheels and I stand by it. You know, like the first line is uh, a nice, easy, normal, grounded context. Thanks for coming to this island. The second line has to be just taking it and adding shit. And it's like, oh, yeah, I love it. What a beautiful view of the, the beach. Like, do that. Like, be on the same page. It's so, yeah. it's so nice to just start right on the same page. And I think that was something we'll emphasize in our class, too. Yeah, just, absolutely. I think we did that, um, uh, the cards thing. The It was like the seven or eight things that can enhance a scene. Right. Immediately. Yeah. And one of them was just like quickly, like strong agreement right at the top. And I just remember going like, yeah, these scenes are great of just agreeing right at the top. I remember doing a scene with Joe Carden uh, very well of just like I very much accepted something he said and he very much accepted something I said when I added to it. And I was like, damn, these are funny and I don't know why. Well, it's some. I mean, a lot of the times I'll see people like have a disagreement with something and it's like not even 
that bad. But if somebody does say something a little bit askew or like unexpected and you agree with that, like that's instantly funnier than you shutting it down and trying to smother yeah. it out. It's yeah, hundred percent of the time. It is. It is like playing. It is more like in a way that's like running with the idea more than just, uh, yeah, shutting it down. I totally agree. I love yeah. that. At its simplest, it's just yes ending. Yeah, I think it's yeah, and it's and it's insane how much that doesn't happen, especially right at the top. And it's I, mean, I get it. It's such a it's you're you're it's a desperate move to try to get. To yeah, you're trying to make something happen, but I think uh, and it, it doesn't. It's it a does. it's a false idol, and yeah. it's something you think will save you, and yeah. it just makes it harder. It's hard. Uh, it's hard because I tell like uh, another thing I think, too, is like if you just recklessly agree with people and add information to a scene and be comfortable in a space with somebody like you'll probably get to something much faster and better than going like, oh, I'm making sandwiches. Like, oh, you fucking bitch. Why are you making sandwiches yeah. for me? Uh, which I see that all the time uh, from like a, like these weird domestic scenes where it's like, oh, honey, I'm making dinner. It's like you stupid. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, like, <laughs> I get on the way home and it's like, OK, yeah. Oh, God, this is tough. This is tough okay so what about the uh what i mean we talked about i guess in a way we already talked about it but do you have any favorite moves or things you really like seeing too uh yeah i mean i am constantly delighted by improv i still mm-hmm. see a lot of it and i'm constantly just more often than not impressed even when i am like yeah cynical and judging it yeah <laughs> by and large i still am just like oh that's very very good the things that i really find impressive are i guess it boils down to like smart play so seeing people uh, make interesting connections that weren't expected Mm -hmm. uh seeing people take things in places that i didn't quite plan on them going yeah um because if you've done improv for any period longer than like three months, I think pretty quickly you can get to a point where you're like, I see exactly where this scene is going. Right. And so if you just watch how that scene goes and it goes exactly how you thought, right. you're probably not going to leave going, oh, that was, right. that was great. So the things that I really like are performers who surprise you mm-hmm. and you know impress you yeah. with... Um, I guess quickness is something mm-hmm. that I like a lot. And just, I'm also more and more impressed with patience. Mm. Pro- yeah. Probably the, one of the hardest things to do is just yeah. to live in the space and go like, don't be something. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, I will go see the smokes mm-hmm. and there will be times where, you know, Joe Wanger to Katie Dippold in particular are two people who strike me mm-hmm. as doing this. Like they will say nothing for so long and then they will come in and say like one perfectly on game, concise little thing that mm-hmm. just destroys. And it's so smart and it's so good. And it took so much patience to get there. Right. Uh, and I think it just takes a lot of seasoning. And if you're not at that level mm-hmm. and you're not willing to trust it in the silence and that patient play that you don't get there. And so I think watching people who trust each other enough to get there is very satisfying to me. I totally agree with that. And I think like a lot of improv from the outside, people who are fast too, it can look like what they're doing is firing a lot uh, and 
getting the laughs from it. And I think people, and maybe when you're young, you think like, oh, if I just keep talking and talking right. and talking, and I'll add and I'll add and I'll add. It's like, I'll get something funny. And it's like, mostly you're diluting your funny things. You're running past the funny things when you do hit them. Uh, or you're, you know, you're talking over somebody so they can never react to make your thing funny. Yeah. It's a very inefficient way to improvise. You're expending yeah. a lot of energy lot. for... Yeah. Not enough laughs, I given totally how much effort you're putting into it. Oh, my God. I love it. Uh, all right. Let's transition. Uh, we're going to go. Well, this we will keep this uh, relatively brief, but I do want to talk about. Hey, OK, there's going to be a three hour podcast. Uh, I do want to talk about your uh, your writing. So sure. Um, just because I'm, I'm fascinated by you uh, from the first time that you, me and uh, Ross Baran Ross Baran ha- had uh, drinks at whatever that place was. Public house. Public house. The only place where people have drinks. <laughs> That's true to me. Uh, uh, because it sounded like you were a writing monster. So, uh, I guess I just want to start, uh, like what, what, what do you write? Like, what's the main thing you like, write? Is there a certain type of thing you're more interested in, not interested in? Yeah. Uh, well, I guess the, the broadest way to put it is that I write comedy mm-hmm. and, that is broad. Yeah. So that's that's the giant umbrella under which what broad I write. Drama. So comedy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so comedy. Uh, right now I'm writing a feature and a sketch show. Yeah. Are the two things that I'm currently working on. Um, I love it. Okay. Yeah. So then, um, and then I guess what fascinates me about it is like everybody has writing habits and methods and things that work for them. Uh, I like to write pen and paper longhand. Uh, and then transcribe everything in the computer before uh, going back to it. I find that very freeing. Uh, what, what's your approach uh, uh, for writing? Because your method seems interesting to me. Yeah, I've I've heard you <laughs> consider this insane. It, it, what it's, I do? It, it, I guess I don't know that. I don't know if it works. It's not insane, but it's yeah. interesting. It's it certainly is interesting. interesting, and I've never heard anybody. Say yeah. Like so, oh, the, uh, well, maybe I have. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So. Basically, I think what you're referring to is that I will write out what I am writing completely. So if I'm working on a chunk of, say, like 10 or 15 pages, Mm -hmm. I will write out those 10 or 15 pages, print out that draft, Mm -hmm. go back into final draft, delete the entire thing. Yeah. (laughs) And then force myself to rewrite those 10 or 15 pages Mm -hmm. completely. And then... As a script accumulates, I do that uh, in different chunks. So there is there does become a point where I'm rewriting the entire script. So you're like from- you're you're basically you're adding you're adding chunks, rewriting it, and then going back, deleting it. So like let's say you, you type 15 pages, mm-hmm. you delete it all in final draft, you transcribe from your 15 pages on paper, or maybe even improve and punch up as you go along, and then add to that 15 pages to. 15, 16 to 30 type. Of yes. Thing. Is that kind of how that goes? Yeah. Yes. Correct. Well, yeah. And there's the more I intellectualize it and try to figure out why I do this bizarre thing. Yeah. Uh, I have figured out <laughs> that there are reasons mm-hmm. that I do it. And the one is that even something that is, I find is already well written is already good. If I can improve that five, 10% more. Right. Just in rewriting it, that is worth it. Of course. To me alone. Yeah. The other thing is that if I'm writing a chunk of, you know, 10 or 15 pages, there might be 
a scene that works followed by two scenes that don't work followed by two scenes that work followed by a scene that doesn't work Mm -hmm. so for me instead of going and just isolating those scenes that don't work and just working on those Mm -hmm. i can get in the flow of rewriting being like okay cool this is a scene that does work and then that way i'm already in the flow of writing well and not being frustrated right and then i can sort of ease more gently into rewriting right something that doesn't work and then it also just helps it all mesh together a little bit more and makes it feel it's not a thing that was cobbled together yeah it's it's more of a a complete piece that's it i mean that's how that's how i feel about uh, writing longhand and bringing it to the computer uh, when I do it as like, I'm like, Oh, I have the chance to improve it. I don't have to, uh, I can kind of see where I went, what I did earlier and like, Oh, I was trying to set up something. I didn't really set it up well. Uh, or, or the setup that I did is terrible. You know, uh, there's all kinds of stuff like that. So I do definitely get the value of it, but I'm also reminded of, um, Ooh, I don't know what these are called. Uh, yeah, but it was just called a story for now. And then you'll, you'll correct me with the right word that I mean. Uh, but it was, uh, it was like something like, Oh, this guy hired somebody to paint a road, uh, paint the line down the road. And so he painted the line down the road, got half done on the first day. And you go, okay, cool. So it'll be done tomorrow. That's the guy hired him thinks that. And so then the next day he comes and he only finishishes seventy five percent of it. And he goes, okay, well, that's weird. And then the next day he goes, he only finished eighty two percent of it, right? Mm-hmm. And on and on. And he goes, well, why why is it taking so long? And it's like, well, because I have to keep on going back to get the paint. Uh, and I was like, yeah, maybe that's what this is. I don't know. Yeah. But either way, it seems like it works for you, and it's a very interesting uh, way of doing it. And like, I want. Uh, I also like trying other people's writing methods. I want to try your writing method. I'm just. I'm also a afraid to lose work like that's another thing and i'm sure you never have but I, there's something about it that i'm like well what if i like delete my script and then like i lose my pages and then like there goes yeah. half my fucking screenplay yeah i mean i guess the way i think about it is i'm just like if if i do lose something or like something gets lost i don't think that it was worth keeping yeah i mean like, you know uh only so much of writing, especially, you know, do you do it? You're like, yeah, that's only so much of it was good. It's a lot of rewriting. It's a lot of improving. So I get that. Uh, but I cling to my, <laughs> I'm, I'm scared to lose it. Uh, what, um, what, like what's effective writing to you? Or like, what, what are things that, mm, what do you think <laughs> tips, uh, th- ways to do it? Well, uh, uh, I guess the inverse of it is mistakes that are common that can be fixed in you see in I guess uh, television film writing. Yeah. So are you talking things that I see? Like if somebody asked me to read their script, things that I see sure. that, okay. Yeah. So, uh, I do read a fair amount of scripts and the things that I find the most frustrating and things that I think are very simple. And like when I give people notes, um, by and large, I feel like most people that we know through the course of rewriting will get make things funny and they'll they've got the capacity to make them good. Mm-hmm. And so when I read somebody's script, what I try to focus on a little bit more is making it easier for them mm-hmm. or for a reader to read because oh, interesting. Uh, I mean, I worked at this company for right. about three years reading scripts and it is appalling how much time somebody will put into writing a script Uh and how little time and attention is given to considering it Mm -hmm. by the powers that be. It's usually by a non-paid 
overworked intern who like also then has to go and like get lunch for everybody and then get coffee and is you know manning the front desk right and in between all of that has to read the script and give an opinion right uh and if they do decide to endorse your script then has to like defend that decision to the higher-ups in the company so right <laughs> basically everything going in is stacked against them liking your ship because it's so easy to be like nope didn't like it and right. now i don't have to justify that or talk to people right no it's way easier yeah so if you make it hard for them to read your script in terms of overwriting and not being very deliberate with the way you word things Mm -hmm. then i think that really just stacks the deck against you even higher like i think if you go through a script and you get rid of most of the adjectives and you try to keep your descriptions very concise and your dialogue um, just extremely pointed and purposeful. Uh, I helped my younger brother who recently moved out here to do screenwriting and I helped him and his writing partner uh, with the script that they wrote. Yeah. And I liked it and I was like, this is good, but you know, you guys wrote like a 120 page script and without changing any of the story, we can cut out 20 pages of the script and make it so that whoever's reading it doesn't go, oh, this is a 120 page script. I don't want to read this. And instead right. go, oh, this is a 102 page script. This is great. Like, yeah, it's, it's insane how much more receptive somebody will be to reading a 102 page script by an unknown writer than like a 118, 120. Right. I buy and, that. That's and, it. Yeah. Yeah. There's just a lot of little things you can do, like getting rid of the word just or like really or like all these little like filler <laughs> words that have no. Just is my biggest flaw. And you I just do, do it control frequently. F find yeah. that. Like, oh, no. I do that on my scripts a lot now. Yeah, you cut out like 10 pages. Oh, why do I put just so much? I don't yeah. know. I don't know why that's such a, a word that I use so frequently. But that's interesting. And um, I mean, that's something is that something as like, I don't want to say common of advice is like, are you talking about the same types of things that we sort of all hear? It's like, don't make your 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 scene uh, scene description too long or not scene description. Yeah. Scene your action lines too long. Yeah. Like if it's five, if it's five chunks, five lines long, if it's a whole page, like, man, that page better be fucking great. Is it that type of thing? Yeah, also, I'm I don't sure even, it's more than that. But I yeah. think it's more than like that page better be great. Mm-hmm. It's that people won't read it. Right. Like if... <laughs> If some, if I think most readers see like a page and there's no dialogue, it's just description. They'll probably read the first thing and the last thing and like fill in the blanks. Right. And so it's again just like an ineff- inefficient use of your time right. to write that page. Right. Unless you absolutely have to. Right. And I don't know why you would absolutely have to because you could put in dialogue and there are like ways to just make the page look a little bit easier easier and cleaner yeah uh, i get that i totally get that uh okay that's very interesting this was good see this is why we talked to you i like this um what a, i mean uh yeah i think i don't know i think you covered a lot of good stuff on, on writing are there any other uh i don't know things that you could emphasize or give us some hot tips for uh, all of us and uh, aspiring writers out there uh tips on writing in general that i would say are just it's probably going to take a lot longer than you think it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean that both in terms of completing projects and getting to a level mm-hmm. that you aspire to be at. Yeah. I super and agree with that. 
looking back, had somebody told me how much work would go into writing scripts and how long it would take me to get to something that even barely resembles success mm-hmm. in like the most modest terms. Right. Uh, <laughs> I had somebody told me that I would say, no, I don't want to do this. And I would have done something else. Sure. <laughs> because it is a lot. It's very challenging. You have to make a lot of sacrifices yeah. and it's not always easier fun. But looking back, having gone through all that, I am so grateful and so thankful that I did because it's helped me grow so much and taught me so much about, you know, patience and perseverance and powering through. And it's actually like an achievement to complete something that is hard. Yeah, I uh, agree with that very much. Um, uh, I've said before, or like I, I run, uh, uh, I run like marathons and stuff. And, um, every time I do it, like, uh, I'll, I'll, I try and, you know, I don't want to like brag about it cause that's the worst, but like I'll say, and say well, oh, you I'll have fun. Your entire car is just 26.2 bumper stickers. Well, uh, they were on sale, <laughs> so could it not cover the car with it? But, um, but people will inevitably go, especially in the comedy community is like, wow, that's insane. I would never do that. That's too much work. And I'm always like, you know, you're trying to get a career in comedy. It's harder. Uh, the training schedule for, you know, a marathon is, you know, a few hours a week, you know, probably at, at the low, like an hour at the high 10 hours a week. That's a high. And you can do a marathon in six months, you know, less than that. You'd be ready. And I'm like, uh, the, the schedule for a career in comedy is years of work. Uh, yeah, and years then, like of, you said, you're getting to a modest level of success. Uh, yeah. Years before. of thankless work and no recognition. Right. But uh, back to your point, I think doing almost anything well mm-hmm. in this world is harder and takes more effort than almost anybody yeah. would want to do. Yeah. And like that's, you know, something like being a teacher. It's like you get up at 8 a.m. and deal with kids all day long and then you go home and grade papers and all of this. It's like I would never want to do that. But the people who love it and the people who are interested in it and are passionate about it do it. And it's just right. like it's just something that they they do and it's what they were for lack of a better word like made to do it's right i can I it's feel, their skill set yeah and so i think when you find the thing that is your skill set the thing that intrigues you enough and excites you enough to keep going and to keep working on yeah. it even when it's hard and even when focused, it's difficult yeah. like uh i guess keeps you passionate yeah that's that's what it really takes in right. order to reach that to, level of success. Yeah, to break through and <laughs> yeah. to have almost no success <laughs> be happy with it um uh this is uh dumb but i uh, i'm just going to relate to it slightly it was uh a few years ago i was trying to find an apartment and it was it's hard finding a good apartment in la uh a good apartment it's easy yes. to find an apartment uh but i remember like i was, was I had a roommate and we're trying to do it and 
she was, I was kind of let her take the lead and it wasn't going well. And like our options are like, Ooh, this fucking sucks. Like, I don't want to do this. Uh, and, and then I think for like the next five days, like I just worked my ass off on it. Like I was on all the websites. I was, you know, I set up email reminders So things would shoot emails to me. like Craigslist was sending me emails every time something came up, like with my specifications. And, you know, I was quick to like show up and like check the place out. I had my check and whatever in hand. And that is like work and preparation and a little bit of dedication. And after I finished it, I got a great apartment. I was very happy with. And I remember thinking like, oh yeah, the hard work is always worth it. It just sucks when you're doing it. The payoff is usually worth it. Even if it is that sense of the success, like you were saying of like finishing something that most people don't. And like, you know, this, I know this, there are a lot of people in the, the, the world there who are writers who don't write or have the idea. And it's like, well, man, like the, but the work will, will be worth it. And if it's not, I guess if it's not worth the work while you're starting to get into it, then like, yeah, it's going to be a, a tough path, I think. Yeah. I, and I do think the hard work is always worthwhile. Yeah. I think even if it doesn't get you where you were originally planning on going, yeah. uh, what you go through as you're putting in that concentrated effort will definitely get you somewhere even if it's just like on a personal level, yeah. get you somewhere. It makes it, it all, it, it makes you stronger and whatever. Yeah. Like I, uh, <laughs> strong, yeah, stronger, more resilient, better at the thing you do. And that was two years ago. I got an apartment and then the same thing I was going through when I moved up to my girlfriend, at least we were like trying to find a good apartment and man, I worked my ass off for it. And I was like, I love this apartment. I'm very happy with yeah, it. Yeah. This place is great. Thanks man. Yeah, Come over very, anytime. Very high ceilings. Yeah. We could play Enjoy basketball it. in here if we wanted to. I've got a little beer fridge. I'm happy. Life's good. Uh, do you want to go some, have a beer? <laughs> Sure. All right. Great. Uh, <laughs> uh, again, I feel like you just indulged me out of obligation. That's okay. Uh, all right. Last bit. We got to finish this show up. Pearl of wisdom. Note or piece of advice that you got in your improv uh, that was impactful for you, that stood out, that, uh, I don't know, was really good. Yeah. Uh, what comes to mind for me is more of an anecdote than a particular note. And it's kind of funny because it relates back to uh, your issue with people saying not to be funny. Yeah. Um, because that's exactly what this is. Yeah. Uh, so this is something that I still remember from my 201 class with Greg Tugalescu. Mm-hmm. And so it was maybe like the second or third week of class. We still all barely knew each other. We called everybody up on stage, all 16 of us. And he yeah. was like, and this might be a common 201 practice it might be in the curriculum and i only took that one 201 so i don't know but i it was my experience so I'm <laughs> so he's like okay guys you know you've so far only done funny scenes you've only done comedy scenes what i want you guys to do now is just to play scenes dead serious and just to the point that if either person in the scene laughs if anybody in the back line laughs if i laugh mm-hmm. i will edit the scene it will be over and you are done like, and he was <laughs> like we're, so we're just gonna see it sounds intense i like it it was intense <laughs> he's like so we're gonna see how long it goes and so like a couple people come out and like they initiate that they're at a funeral and like very quickly like somebody says something like weird about somebody's aunt and people laugh and it gets yeah. edited like four seconds in right and he's like, all right, guys, like I said, 
not funny scenes so just yeah. like keep that in mind like you know then there's like a scene about like somebody finding like a dead body at the river and yeah see, I'm already laughing already laughing <laughs> edited like right away and like every scene he's getting madder and madder <laughs> And like it's like we're still oh, like great. fresh enough out of 101 that it was yeah, like because 101 like, is so like yeah, happy and joyful yeah, and everyone's like oh. yeah and you're like holy <laughs> shit this is intense now and I love so this. he's like banging his hand on like a desk and he's like guys I said not to be funny can you just like please try and not be funny and so this goes on for like ten minutes and I think <laughs> what a nightmare I, think I love the, it I think the longest scene went for like 12 seconds before somebody laughs and after 10 sec or 10 minutes of this exercise of like us just not able to do scenes without laughing and thinking we're the biggest failures in the world he you know he breaks this like hard character that he was doing he was like yeah okay see like it's not that hard you guys were trying so hard to not be funny and you couldn't go more than right. eight to ten seconds so you don't have to put an effort to try to be funny because what you are as people and like you know as performers you can try all that you want mm-hmm. to not be funny and you will fail because everything if you look at it enough is funny. I and, agree with that very, very much. Yeah. And so that was something that was like, Oh great. Yeah. We don't have to yeah. really, really stress ourselves out and be in our heads trying to search for that perfect funny thing. Right. It's just enough to yeah. play things a little bit more real and to play things and just let the funny things happen because yeah. they're there. I, and I, and I, again, I, I, I do agree with that. And I think it's, it's just hard. like it's hard because I get here's I guess the the what I'm saying earlier is like oh don't try to be funny I don't like that no but the thing is it's it's pulling the trigger on it lets you go further with it I think or or just agreeing that it, you can go further and continue to make it funny um, but what I think. I think that's such a great example of like, yeah, it's not hard. Like, and it's not hard to be funny improvising by, by its sheer form, making it up on the spot. It's hard to get it all perfect to not add some weirdness that could be funny. Uh, and, and again, deciding to pull the trigger on that is, is the important thing, but it's, and I like that. I like that a lot because again, I see people, I hear people stressing a lot. Like, I don't know if that was a funny enough game. I don't know if it was a funny enough thing. I don't know if it was unusual enough. And it's like, well, just, you know, make it unusual enough. It's, yeah. If you think it's unusual enough, it probably is. And there's probably enough comedy there. There are very rarely like premises where it's like, oh, I found that funny, but I let it go. That it was like, yeah, that would have been enough. Yeah. And the other thing about not being funny that I think just applies to improv in general is that it is so unenjoyable to watch people on stage putting an effort. It is so much more enjoyable if you're just up there. You're like, those people are just carefree and they're relaxed and they're having a good time. But if you see somebody up there who's like putting in a ton of effort, whether to be funny or to Mm -hmm. justify or to do a character, to say the right sentence after the sentence has been said. Yeah. If you can see like this, like if you can see the wheels turning and like the agonizing, like effort going on in somebody's process, Mm -hmm. it just becomes a little bit, less fun to watch and so yeah it actually reminds me of another note that I got in 101 from Amanda Sitko Mm -hmm. uh, that was just if you ever go to a dinner party and you see the host 
you know they've got a million things on their mind. They've got to worry about what's going on in the kitchen. They've got to worry about, does everyone have enough drinks? Am I talking to everybody enough? They've got so many things on their mind. Mm -hmm. And it's enough that that person could be a nightmare. And we've all been to parties where, like, whoever that host is, is a nightmare because, like, one thing goes wrong and they just, like, can't handle it. Uh, But to apply that to your performance, like, if you have all these things going on or if you're hosting a dinner party and you just keep a cool, straight face Mm -hmm. and make it seem like everything is fine... Basically, that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, and it will be fine, because if you are just yes, willing to ride it out, and yeah, if, if it looks good, if you even are terrified on the inside, but are like projecting that you're comfortable, the yeah. audience will just be like, great, he's... Yeah. He or she knows exactly they know what they're happening. doing, they've got it under control. And I... I uh, to, to speak on that just briefly is like I get the giggles too every time I see somebody very committed in a scene that's interesting like committed not committed to uh, a boring or like boring or unfunny it's like how are you today but like a, a committed to a scene that feels real like I weirdly get the giggles because I'm like look at what they're doing this is so how are they doing that that's hard to, it's funny and impressive enough and then when those small things come up uh, they're all the more delightful because uh, again it does look like I don't know it's it's interesting it looks planned in a way but you know it's not and that's I guess that's what's special about it uh, yeah I I 100% agree with that and uh, last thing too is like I do see this is a note I got that I tell people all the time. I was like, you don't have anything to initiate for a scene, man, go set up chairs. Like you fucking know what you're doing. Like you have the best initiation and the chairs have to be, you know, seated right downstage or whatever. Like do that. And man, the audience buys it. You don't have to say shit. It's like, thanks for coming in today. And, and the audience is like, whoa, they are really doing this scene. Uh, they don't know. They have no fucking clue that you don't right, have anything. Yeah. Just keep, just keep going as if you got it. Yeah. The audience never knows that you don't know. Right. Unless you let them in on that secret. Unless you tell so, them with your like, oh, um, uh, what did you say? Hold on. How do I say? Yeah. Yeah. Like if, if, you, if you stand there for like eight seconds silently and be like, hey, like then they're going to know that you don't have anything. Right. right. But, you know, if you just do some object work, even if you don't know what it means, if you pull out some chairs yeah. or if you do like a weird movement, like, yeah, be like, great. This, I don't know what this is, but this genius up here is yeah. onto something. Uh, yeah, I love it. Uh, Kyle, this has been like such a delightful conversation. Uh, oh, I'm so happy I had you on. This is great. Oh, thanks. It's, uh, such an honor to be here, as I mentioned earlier. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, well, I'm sad it's over. <laughs> oh, it never has to end. Come back next time. Uh, where can people find you on the internet or I guess in the improv world or yeah. Yeah. On the internet, I am on both Twitter and Instagram at Kyle Perolsky. Uh, I rarely post on either, but if you wanted to tweet at me, I would respond. Or if yeah. you wanted to, uh, do anything like that, I would engage, but I rarely post original thoughts of my own <laughs> on there. Fair enough. Um, but you can find me on those places, uh, on Tuesday nights at eight 30 PM in the UCB inner sanctum. I host happy hour with Delta, Delta flow. flow. Yeah. And we would love to have your team come perform and we only do that via in-person submissions. So nice. you have to come watch the show and then talk to one of our lovely hosts. Mm-hmm. And then we have a pretty quick turnaround in terms of getting people who That's come and great. support the show, uh, getting them back up to sort of keep it 
yeah revolving that's very cool um also you can find i know you can find kyle on los angeles improv coaches if you wanted to get him out there and showing you showing you the ropes yeah i would i would love to do more coaching yeah and i've learned a lot from you and i think everybody else has uh kyle thanks so much for being on oh thanks so much for having me it's been a pleasure that was Kyle Poralski. I hope you enjoyed that because I sure did. Uh, for more information on the things we talked about, including show notes, key takeaways, all that good stuff, go to boardwalkaudio.com forward slash improv obsession. There we'll have show links to Kyle's internet presences as well as his improv presences uh, <laughs> and mine too. You'll also have the option to support the show by shopping on Amazon that is easy, free, and basically painless for you. So uh, go ahead and do that if you feel like it. Also, don't forget to subscribe add a nice little review uh leave comments in itunes you can always email me like us on facebook stuff like that uh people have been reaching out to me for improv coaching that's always fun i like doing it and so i guess that's it and we'll end the show like we do by saying happy improvising Boardwalk Audio Podcast. For more information and shows, visit... Hey, it's Josh Sibson. And Jake Jabour. From The Meat Improv. The Meat Improv is a comedy podcast where we bring on the best comedians in the world to tell meaty stories from their lives, and then they do improv comedy with us. You don't think we're good at improv? Check out this little snippet from Jake Jabour's real life. Hey, where's all my cats? (laughs) He never knows. (laughs) The Meat Improv. You can listen to it on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. That's The Meat Improv.